welcome to the first episode of Points of Insanity Game Studios Geekery in General podcast. Uh, my name is Al, and I have a my co-host with me today. His name is Steve. Say something, man. Hey, how you guys doing? So, Steve is uh, nice. So, Steve, how long have we been friends? Well, I think uh, sometime around since kindergarten. Yeah, I actually wasn't in a year or two before, but, well, in any way, Steve and I have known, say that, let's just say that Steve and I have known each other for so long that uh, it's hard for us to remember a time when we didn't know each other. <laughs> so, Basically. Like, so, I said Steve is going to be my regular co-host for this show, but if there's, there may be times when Steve is, may not be available, so I may have other friends help me out, but I... As I said in my episode zero, my introductory episode, uh, one of my goals for this podcast is to engage in uh, hopefully entertaining, thought-provoking discussion on topics that gamers, geeks, nerds, people like us are interested in. So we'll get to those at a later time, but for this first episode, I'd like to talk about something that's very near and dear to, to Steve and I. So Steve. Way back, way back when we were kids, uh, what was one of the main things you remember uh, us doing before we discovered video games and role-playing games? Other than playing outside, it was board games. Exactly. That, like I said, it's uh, as Steve said we she played a lot of board games when we were kids, so that's why I wanted to do the uh, the board games as my the the first episode for this. But first, let's go back. What are some of the things that you remember about the board games we used to play as kids? Well, I know a lot of them are still around nowadays, like Candyland. <laughs> may have a brand new facelift, but the concept has stayed the same. Yeah, we actually uh, have Candyland. My son and I, we've played it a few times, but it's not something he got into. And, um, of course, there is one game that has many, many fond memories for us anyway. Uh, open season. It's basically a deer hunting. Uh, you heard Steve chuckle there because, like I said, we do have many fond memories of this game. And and now you think of a the most basic thing a board game can be. You have a path you have to follow where you get from point A to point B, and well, you just roll the dice, move the number of spaces, and do whatever on that space. Yep, because. Uh, yeah, sometimes they kind of would throw things uh, for a loop. You know, you might land on a space where it says go back two spaces or move ahead three spaces. Um, again, open season in one of our favorite games, as I mentioned. It was a little different than most games because the uh, track, it was actually two tracks on it. There was an outer track and then there was the inner track. So the basic plot of open season, and this game, this isn't referring to the uh, the animated film Open Season, because this game was released in, I think it was, 84? Um, uh, yeah, about that time. It's hard to tell because it's sitting in Wisconsin right now. <laughs> yep. Um, but it's basically a hunting game. So the outer track is on your way to your hunting lodge, and then you do a three laps on the... Is it three or five? Five laps. Five it's laps, five. okay. Um, so yeah, you do five laps around the inner one in your situations where you... Uh, try to sh shoot deer or other animals. And, of course, you have to be very careful because there's some animals that are illegal. Um, so, and if you... There's certain 
points on the board where if you uh, you get stopped by a, a game warden. So of course, if they find out that you've got uh, you know three gold three bald eagles in the back of your truck, uh, you are pretty much screwed. <laughs> yep. So and, uh, that's how uh, our latest times when we uh, broke it out of the mothballs. Tried playing it again. That's how we always seem to have lost the game. Yeah. Um, I know we have had uh, times where we've played it and we lost because we had illegals. And one thing that's kind of interesting about it. Now, Steve, like I said, this game was remade back in the, the early 80s. I don't know exactly how much gas prices were back then, but it was probably less than a dollar. Now, of course, there's a spot on the game board where you have to fill up and pay money to gas up your car. Do you remember how much it said on that game board uh, a gallon of gas cost? Uh, no, I can't say I have because, like I said, it's been a while. Two dollars uh, a gallon. Oh, yeah. Because remember when we were playing it that one time, we looked at that two dollars a gallon and it was like, I mean, I, I, I made the comment, you know, I wonder if the person who designed that, when they put two dollars a gallon uh, as a cost of a, a gallon of gas, I wonder if they ever thought if they ever uh, thought you know I doubt gas will ever get that high. <laughs> yeah, especially back in that day, they'd be going two dollars a gallon. Man, that's a ripoff. Of course, nowadays it's like two bucks. Where? <laughs> oh yeah, two dollars. Let me know where that is because I will I will drive to the other side of town if it's two dollars a gallon. I mean, uh, again, for I'm in Wisconsin and uh, Steve is currently in Hawaii. I don't know what gas prices are down. I mean, for us, it's like I think three twenty a gallon now. Uh, the gas stations around where I am, uh, regular is about four dollars and five cents, Holy and then it goes up a dime per level. Holy crap! Yeah, I, I think both. I think anyone listening to this could probably agree that if. Uh, if they ever saw where gas was $2 a gallon, they'd be the first one there. So moving on, since I, I know we got a little bit off topic there, but um, any other games that you remember that you have particularly fond memories of back when you were, back when we played board games on a more regular basis? Yeah, well, trying to remember all the board games. I know there was, you know, the usual, the theme monopolies. Oh, yeah. And there was, you know, Battleship. Yeah, which, didn't they make a, a horrible movie based on that board game? Well, the only thing I gotta say about it is I loved where they made the location for it. Did they film it in Hawaii, or? Yeah, well, right on base. Yep, and actually another game that I remember uh, that we played, there was that old G.I. Joe board game. Yeah, and based off of... Uh, themes. Yep, and one of the things that was kind of interesting about this one, I remember, uh, of course, they had the, you know, the stand-up figure, you know, cardboard figures of the various characters, but the stands also had the little peg on it, so if you had the the G.I. Joe action figure, yeah, if you had the G.I. Joe action figure, you could use uh, the action figure instead. So, yeah, I, I know it was a little... Probably seems like something pretty minor, but hey, back when we were kids, that was kind of cool. <laughs> yeah. And, oh yeah, and another game that 
from way back in the day that I remember, and again, this was a, an earlier game, Fantasy Forest. Uh, did you Because, oh, yeah. yeah, that was it was made by TSR. Um, so I think they designed it as an attempt, like a, a like a gateway drug to try to get kids interested in D and D. Um, basically, I did go through the forest, and as I remember, when you got to certain squares, there was certain areas would be a monster you might have to face, and there was, um, like I think you had to either roll a roll a certain number on a die, or you had to draw a card, but. Uh, like I, said. Uh, I think the uh, concept was is uh, your character had to got like one of the uh, fantasy themes like uh, the spindle from Sleeping Beauty or like the slippers from you know Wizard of Oz and you had to find what tree it was hiding under. That was Fantasy Forest or? Yeah. Okay well. I think the one you're thinking of is Keys to the Kingdom. No, actually, no. Keys to the Kingdom. That was the well. That one was totally different. That's one we can certainly talk about because I remember we had a lot of fun when we played that one. Um, and if uh, any of you, any of you are, if you follow the Angry Video Game Nerd, uh, his website Cinemassacre.com, he actually had a he does a, a a series called Board James, where he does review various board games and. It's always fun watching that because I know every now and then when I watch that, it's like, hey, I used to play that board game, but uh, you want to talk about Keys of the Kingdom? Yeah, since uh, we can't quite agree on what uh, Fantasy Force is, I just remember it was you had to find your matching symbol of the card you had to get, so you had to go to whatever tree and, nope, that one isn't it. Nope, that one isn't it. But, yeah, and one thing I remember that was interesting about Keys to the Kingdom is the game board actually folded. Uh, and there was, like, a whirlpool you used to jump from uh, place to place, um, from one side of the map to the other. And uh, you could actually kill the other players if, because uh, as I recall, the way the rules worked is once you got to the whirlpool, um, any other players on that side of the map had a certain number of turns to get to the, the whirlpool as well. Otherwise, they pretty much, yeah, they'll have you fold the board and they die. Um, it was either that or they got forced to go to the pool. So yeah. I think I remember one time we were playing that. I had the uh, key and I was trying to get to the thing, but every time someone would jump into the pool, it would activate mm -hmm. the other thing and it would bring me to the pool. Yeah, and another, one thing I that I think uh, can really attract kids, especially younger kids, to uh, a board game is the, the cover art. And one game that really caught my attention, and I still have some of the pieces for it, but I don't have the full game, uh, Thunder Road. Do you remember ever playing that with me? Yeah. So uh, I found out that there is a game somewhat similar to that out. It's called uh, Roadkill Rally. Okay, it sounds familiar. I think I've I've heard of that game. It's just I never actually played it. Um, but Th Thunder Road was kind of interesting because the game board had two tracks, and you had a team of I think it was four vehicles: a helicopter, um, a heavy vehicle, a medium vehicle, and a light vehicle. And basically, the way it worked is you started at the uh, the, the you know, the end of one of the game boards, 
And once you get to uh, the end of the second game board, you take the first game board and then you put it in front of the second one so it's now the first. So you, if you wanted to, you could pretty much play that game for, well, quite a while. <laughs> but I always thought just the, the little pieces were pretty cool. It was supposed to have kind of a Mad Max uh, type theme where you're driving around in a post-nuclear war wasteland killing the other players. <laughs> So that was, so yeah, that was one that I always liked as well. And um, of course, then is should be no surprise that board games have certainly evolved over the years. And this is one game we you know we talked about uh, the other day uh, when we were planning on what we we're going to say for this episode. Hero Quest. Yes. So that one, as I was mentioning when again when we were just discussing this among ourselves, one of the things that I always found interesting about it is that kind of bordered on being a little bit kind of that mid ground between a board game and a role playing game. Uh, now I, you, I think you're a little more familiar with hero quest than I am. So you want to give the listeners a brief description of the game in case they've never heard of it. Well, don't forget anger Vi- video nerd also did an episode of that on board James. Yep. And again, another one that had a lot of, uh, <laughs> You know, a lot of fond memories with that game. So, I mean, I, I did like the concept because the way it worked is you had uh, you, there were four characters: the what was it the barbarian, dwarf, wizard, and elf. Yep, and the game map was essentially a dungeon that had different uh, rooms in it, and then there were pieces you would put to represent, like uh, you know, doors and dead ends. Also, what's kind of cool about it is the 3D scenery, like they had bookshelves and torture racks. Uh, so the it was kind of different from most board games because there wasn't just a player. It wasn't just players. Um, you had players and then you had someone acting kind of like the, the game master would in a role-playing game. Um, yep. Because, you know, he would say, okay, you go into this room and, you know, then he would put uh, the different miniatures down to represent zombies, skeletons, and other nasty things. But what I always thought was interesting about it is, you know, you had the character sheets, so you'd keep track of how much gold you found because you could use that to buy better equipment. Um, so de- definitely very interesting that, uh, as I said, kind of that mm, kind of not really a board game, but not quite an RPG. Yeah. Kind of the mid ground, but still a hell of a lot of fun. Yeah, because that game, you know, it comes with a little thing where it gives you little scenarios, you know, storylines, you know, for the game master to play out. It even came out with a couple expansion packs that allowed you to have more storylines. But then if you used them all up, it left it open where you could create your own. Yeah, you could create, that's right. You could create your, remember you mentioning that, you could create your own scenarios, uh, which... Like I said, I thought it was kind of cool because it gave you a lot of different options to do with the game. Because, like, uh, for example, well, Candyland or Monopoly. Well, you know, there's only so many, there's only so much you can really do with that game. Uh, those games, like Candyland, well, you okay, you get from point A to point B, you win. Well, there's not really much variation to that game. Same thing with like Monopoly. But this one actually gave you a little more variation because it was designed to, to be played um, 
you could actually play several sessions as opposed to, okay, we played a game 20 minutes later. We're done. Let's go have pizza. Yep. What board game do you want to play now? Yep. And another thing, trend that I thought was interesting, I don't remember how expansive or how much it really caught on, but do you remember the VHS board games? Yeah, I think I I still have one. It's now technically the DVD version of it, but uh, Atmosphere. Yep. Did they? Oh, so they did actually release that in DVD. Yes. Okay, because I remember only doing again just to kind of date ourselves here. Uh, when I played it, I remember the uh, VHS version. Yeah. So again, the way that these uh, games worked is. Uh, the way these games worked is you put in the – well, first of all, the game session was designed to last a predetermined amount of time, however long the VHS tape was. Uh, now, you, which were the – I think they released a few of the Atmosphere games. Which ones did you play? Um, well, I know the VH1 I played when I got introduced to it. It's probably a concept all over. It was – you were one of these type of characters – you started out as, you know, thing. You had to get to a certain point before time expired, or else you became like one of these soulless creatures trying to hunt down the other players. Yeah, and it was it was kind of freaky because remember you have the they of course recommend that you play it with the lights off, and you would have this, you know, the the screen would usually when nothing's happening, it would usually be kind of this dark, creepy scene. Then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the character would appear. And like the the first one I know, there was the gatekeeper. There was also a one with the zombie Baron Samedi. I played that one. And then the um, I saw it in a store, but I never actually played it. There was one with the witch. Um, but yeah. when the character that was kind of the the overlord of the game appeared, he might be like, you know, you whose turn it is right now. Uh, you know, roll, roll the dice, and if you get a seven or higher, you, you know, you're safe. Otherwise, if you get a six or lower, you lose a turn or whatever. Um, and I know they had a, a Star Wars one I played once, where you were trying to destroy the Death Star. Uh, you were just playing generic characters, but um, they, you know, when the the tape was in kind of that neutral mode, it just showed the Death Star slowly moving towards uh, Yarwin. Was that the name of the moon? Yarwin 4? Yavin 4? Yavin or something like that. Yeah, it's... And I call myself a Star Wars fan. (laughs) But every now and then, Darth Vader would appear on the screen, and I think they actually... As I recall, they actually did get James Earl Jones to voice it, so that was cool. Uh, But he would appear on the screen and um, tell you, okay, whoever's playing now, you know do 20 jumping jacks or you die. I don't know, something like that. So that was a, like I said, that was an interesting concept, I think, because it took it beyond the board game and it did give you that audio visual uh, stimulation to go with it as well. Yeah. The only other uh, DVD board game that I've played is, uh, was created by the WWE. And it was more like a DVD trivia pursuit type of game mm-hmm. where you're going around trying to do matches and 
whenever you get to a certain point, you know, it would ask you to play this video and it would be like a trivia pursuit type question. They'd show you something and they'd go, okay, now who is this? And you'd pick your answer and then go, well, if you pick this guy, you're good. If not, well, here's your penalties. Yeah, Trivia Pursuit, Trivial Pursuit was another one of my favorite games, though. I liked the more the thematic ones because I've got the Star Wars and the Lord of the Rings versions. The thing about the regular version I never liked is, okay, I must have the luck of Mal Reynolds, Mal Reynolds, Reynolds from Firefly. Because uh, whenever I play Trivial Pursuit, usually the questions I get are stuff like, who took 17th place in the Tennessee National Golf, the Tennessee Golf Championships in, you know, 1904? Those are the types of questions I usually get. <laughs> well, usually the type of questions, you know, dealing with some of the other topics, it'd be like when I'm just trying to move around the board, type of questions I would get would be, what is the color in between, you know, Red and yellow. Orange. Yeah. Hey, you can get to go again. Then when I go for a piece of the pie, then I get hit with, who was the executive producer that made this movie? Yeah, I, I, I see the thing is I usually get those obscure questions. Uh, you know, the most of the time I play the damn game, but yeah, it's, that's why I like, that's why I like about the star Wars one since, you know, I'm, well, I'm not like a hardcore Star Wars fan, but I'm fairly familiar with the series, so I actually have a chance at most of those uh, questions. Yeah, and, same here. Yeah, and of, of course Star Wars. Um, you know, of course Star Wars. Uh, there's certainly no small amount of uh, Star Wars board games that have been made, and I have to say my favorite one. And I don't know if you ever played this or not one, but uh, Star Wars Epic Duels. No, I can't say I played that particular board uh, game. Best $5 I ever spent. Because <laughs> the, uh, you see the, the, just my little story about how I got that game. Uh, the shop code um, near my house, and I th I don't know if they do that at all, shop codes, but usually, you know, around Christmas time, they have tons of board games they get in. But then what they do is, um, after Christmas, they start discounting the board games uh, you know, a little bit each week. So when I picked up my Star Wars Epic Duels, I ended up paying five bucks for it. Um, but it was actually a pretty cool game because the way it's designed is it's designed to, well, you can, as the game name would imply, uh, it's a dueling type game. Uh, several players can play it and you have your main character and then you have one or two minor characters uh, that go with your main character. For example, Han Solo, his, his main character, his minor character is Chewbacca. Uh, Luke Skywalker, his main his uh, companion there is Princess Leia. Uh, and then for some of the characters, they'll have generics, like Darth Vader gets two stormtroopers. So, you know, you could do things like, you can try to reenact classic duels like uh, Jango Fett versus Obi-Wan Kenobi, or you could do stuff that could never happen, like um, Anakin Skywalker versus Darth Vader. Each character had his or her own deck um, of moves that they could do. 
like, for example, uh, Luke Skywalker, I remember one of his cards was um, I Will Not Fight You, which is, of course, based on one of his quotes from the movie where, you know, you choose a player and they have to discard any uh, card they have that has an attack value of greater than one. Or another one like Han Solo had a, um, had a, an attack where called Never Tell Me the Odds, where he inflicted automatically inflicted damage. You okay over there? Yep, oh, yep. Just got a little feedback there, but yeah, like I said, Han Solo had his card Never Tell Me the Odds, where uh, what it would happen is when he used it, any enemy within range, he automatically inflicted damage on, but like I said, Star Wars Epic Duels, ton of fun. You see it out of a you know, rummage sale or on eBay and it's a price you can afford. Definitely recommend picking it up if you can. So, well, let's move on to uh, some more recent games. So what, what is one of the things that you've noticed about some of the more recent games that, uh, we're, that we're seeing nowadays? Yeah, board games are getting to be more complicated. You got a lot more things that you got to keep a track of other than roll a dice, move certain spaces, and go, okay, what does it say I have to do that? Okay, do that. I'm done. Yeah, I mean, what happened to the days when a board game came with a die and, like, six tokens? <laughs> yeah. So, um, but, yeah, you're definitely right on that. I mean, I've, you know, some of the board games I played more recently, definitely a lot more complex than what they used to be, like uh, Firefly. Uh, by, was it Gale Force 9? Uh, yes, Gale Force 9. So yeah, the Firefly board game, uh, it's, it's a lot of fun, but yeah, it's definitely complex and uh, very interesting the way that it, it works. Uh, basically, you get a ship, get a crew, and do jobs, and hope you don't get caught. And do a mission. Yep, and... I thought it was interesting how one of the when we played it, you know, again this goes along with what we were saying before about board games getting more complicated because, you know, some of the older board games, yeah, good way to kill, you know, ten fifteen minutes. But uh, when Steve and I got together to actually play the Firefly board game, how long did it take us? Like two three hours, and that was yeah. And uh, looking at some of the story plot lines, that's about an average time to play a board game nowadays. Yeah, and as I recall, the mission that we did for that was one of the more one of the simple ones. Yeah, one of the ones for you know first time players. So it was yeah. It's I don't get me wrong, definitely a lot of fun, but yeah, ugh, not the kind of game you can just sit down and play in ten minutes. Well, running out of time here. I don't have a specific uh, time set, but we've been going for a little while here. So, yep. any closing thoughts, Steve? No, I'm sure uh, our next few podcasts, we can still be talking about board games, just different topics. Yep, and he said, so uh, again, this is uh, Al and my co-host Steve. We'd like to thank you for listening to our podcast, and uh, please feel free to check out my website, uh, POIGamestudio.com, and you can also find Point of Insanity Game Studio on Facebook. Uh, so please feel free to check it out. You know, like the page if you like the podcast. Feel free to share it with your friends. If you didn't like the podcast, feel free to contact me and say, hey, this is what I didn't like about it. I'm always open to constructive criticism. Yep. So we 
Hope we kept you uh, entertained for a few minutes out of your day, and thanks for listening. Till next time. Yep. Have a good evening, morning, afternoon, whatever it is, wherever you're at, and happy gaming. Thank you.